You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Thursday, October 22nd, and this is our preview of Nordane versus Pittsburgh. This weekend in Heinz Field, Nordane's first road trip. Latest in the season, Nordane has had their first road trip since 1940, and that was a game at Pittsburgh. You know what the outcome was? Nordane fans don't want to know what the outcome of that game was, but they do want to know what's going to happen this weekend at Heinz Field. And I thought you were going to it, say 12-7. It was 19 to nothing in favor of the, in favor of the home team. But uh, yeah, Nordame's a, t- a 10 and a half point favorite. I think that that is about right, largely because I think Pittsburgh's going to have more trouble scoring than Notre Dame is. But Nordame obviously has their hands full. I brought up to Brian Kelly, you know, two years ago in the second half, Ian Book, I believe it was seven, uh, 13 for 15 for 158 yards, two touchdown passes, but Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool where the guys catching the touchdown passes and they won't be uh well, maybe, uh, maybe Claypool will be around Heinz field on Saturday. I'm not sure where they play this weekend actually, but uh, it'll be a challenge for both teams offensively more so for Pittsburgh, but the Irish have their hands full with a, a, a pretty ferocious, a very ferocious defensive front. Yeah, Pittsburgh's uh, defensive line did not get any worse from the summer. <laughs> in fact, they, they proved what we thought would, uh, be the case one of the best defensive lines in the country but boy they're struggling all around as a team and you know they're uh, as much as we talk about their ability to play press coverage or desire to play press coverage 16 gains of over 20 yards in this three game losing streak that's a lot that is a lot of hitting them downfield and I know it's not all the corners but that is a lot of shots taken and hit yeah, it's, I mean, as long as you have Deshaun Kaiser and Will Fuller, it should be no problem. Um, you know, it's like how how they torched Pat Narduzzi's defense in 2015 is the formula is still there to beat Pittsburgh in the same way. Unfortunately for Notre Dame, the personnel is not. So that's, I mean, that's, that's really where the game is is tricky to me because, you know, Pittsburgh's strengths can at least push back against Notre Dame's strengths. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it will look like Clemson. And Notre Dame won't be able to move the ball at all. Maybe it'll look like North Carolina State, and they'll just plow them right off the field. But um, if you can't push the ball vertically with Ian Book, um, I think it's gonna, it has a chance to be a real slugfest on Saturday. Well, they're going to have to try. And, you know, presumably Kevin Austin's in, in full-go mode now, now that he has two games under his belt. Braden Lindsay, they need him as a deep threat. I think you have to roll Ian Book out to get away from some of that pressure. I think uh, I think counters uh, as Tony Dungy likes to uh, see Notre Dame run. I think those are definitely in order. I love Pittsburgh's defensive ends, but Rashad Weaver is a little bit plotting and isn't you know necessarily a real change of direction guy. So I think you need to do that with him. But Patrick Jones, the second on the other side, is is really really good. He's he's very hard to block. And uh, Tim, remember when I told you? When when they lost Jalen Twyman, and Twyman. you said yep. you said you thought that that was going to be significant, and I yep. think I told you it does. It's not going to matter because they have so much personnel up front. Their de- their defensive tackles aren't necessarily, uh, you know, stars, standout guys that are, are putting up big numbers. And uh, I, I know they do like their uh, one of their freshmen. I'm looking for his name right now. One of their freshmen. Uh, uh, defensive tackles. They're, they're pretty good inside there uh, anyway. So Kalijah Cansey is the, uh, is, is the freshman. It's pretty good for them. So, you know, I mean, they're a handful. Uh, yes, they have been hit by big plays. They had a couple of busts against Miami. So, um, you know, that, that, that gives you hope that maybe you can hit a deep ball. I, you know, Nordic has to hit a deep ball. I, I, <laughs> I mean, you just, you just have to have some bigger plays in here in order for your running game to be effective. And I think the real positive is that Brian Kelly said they're not going to abandon the run. I believe that, uh, but they are going to have to take their shots. Yeah. You know, I think people right now are trying to figure out how can Ian book throw down field all of a sudden and and take a shot and be accurate with it um, or have the, the time and the inclination to do it. I, I think you can also get a, a 20 yard throw and a run after the catch. I mean, that's important too. When you have Braden Lindsay, and hopefully Kevin Austin and, and Tommy Tremble, because there is no Will Fuller and, and Deshaun Kaiser. And Pete, I hadn't thought about that until you said it. I mean, I was just always just thinking, well, Nordheim's going to take their shots, but their shots might have to be the 20-yard in route where it turns into a 45-yard catch and run, because it is much less likely you're just going up top over Pitt's defense 
unless Lindsay wins right away, because we ha- we know Book has a little bit of a, no matter how much we micromanage somebody, it's hard to argue that against the fact that he has a penchant for when he throws deep, that is his throw. He's, he doesn't throw deep on read number two, or he decides he is throwing deep. I guess what I really want to see, it's like, there's, there's, there's no fuller to really stretch outside the numbers, but I think last week we saw this, even though it didn't show up in the stat sheet, like when you go play action and you're in 12 personnel, Tremble or Mayer or both should be kind of wide open um, behind the linebackers. And that's a throw that Notre Dame has not hit this so far this season. That's, they got to hit that too. A deep shot doesn't need to be to a receiver. And it's a throw that Miami hit for a touchdown. Now it was a gorgeously designed play with a tight end came in motion and ran between guard and tackle to get wide open downfield for an easy 45 yard touchdown right after a sack. And that is, you're right. Mayer and Tremble can make these plays and that's the catch and run, catch it at 17 yards and run for another 25 yards. I do think that's where their chunk gains come from. If they get one deep shot, just one where Book is throwing it over right. the defense, I think it opens up what we're talking about right now. Everything you're saying about the tight ends is why I said I thought the tight ends were going to have a big game last week, and it, it, it just didn't materialize. Book had a narrow window to hit Mayer early. Uh, you know, but what, and he also had Mayer open on the first play that he yeah. forced to McKinley. Yeah. He just does not see the middle of the field well. You know, and Pittsburgh's going to do some interesting things. I mean, they'll – I mean, when they bring pressure, it could be from the boundary. They want to take away the easy access throws. Um, I don't see them dropping eight a lot, uh, but they will do that. They don't need to blitz, but they will on certain passing downs because it just makes them that much more effective. But, I, Tim, I think, I think you're right. I mean, we say deep shots, and I do think one big deep shot would be helpful. But they, yeah. they are, they, it's, it's got to be yak yards and, and – um, they haven't shown the ability to, to do that yet. But let's let's talk a little bit here about the quarterback situation for Pittsburgh because I like Kenny Pickett, and he can do a lot of good things. But I think it's very unlikely that we see Kenny Pickett this weekend. Yeah, I, we, reports are keep hearing he's not going to play. They're not. There's no reason for Pitt to announce that until they have to. Um, I mean, if you had, had ankle surgery late last week. I don't know what kind of surgery gets you back out there to be able to beat Notre Dame, right? I mean, you could probably get out there and practice with the most minor of procedures. Um, there's a difference, though. He's a he's better than he was in 2018 when he came to Notre Dame. That was not a uh, that wasn't a Pittsburgh offense that scared you a whole lot. I'm not sure if this one will. It's really strange to me, Pete and Tim, that they don't have a running game because nope. Pittsburgh not having a running game is just Man. anathema to everything Man. we have watched in covering. They had two thousand yard rushers a couple years ago. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. They always it, have a running game. <laughs> they average they average five and a half yards a carry. Now they're three and a half yards per carry uh, offense. They've got, I mean, they've got a couple running backs, a couple of Davises, Vincent and AJ. Vincent's better. I think he would be pretty good if he had an offensive line that was blocking for him, but they're not. Which is is absolutely important going into this game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, mean, when we talk about, you know, I'm not listening to Pittsburgh podcast this week, but you know, I I would imagine their conversation is a little bit more dire than ours talking about Notre (laughs) Dame. (laughs) Talking about Notre Dame's future future pros trying to block their future pros. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a more high minded conversation than like Pittsburgh's lost three in a row and is is this as good as it's ever going to get under Narduzzi? I mean, it's like. (laughs) Their leading rusher, Vincent Davis, is 2.8 yards per carry. That's awful. Um, you know, that's – I don't think it's on him either. If you watch him play, I mean, I don't think he's a – I'd hope not. He should no, have I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's a 2.8-yard back. But, but Is there a 2.8-yard back out there? Right I, there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. Uh, they have a bigger back at Sibley, I want to say, who I think they want to try to get in. They have the, the freshman that was the New York Player of the Year. Uh, but I don't think that he played last week. I don't know what the reason is. But, no, they don't have a lot going for him. Now, I do like their receiving core, and Jordan Addison's a good player, man. I mean, he's already, he's got, he's already got like 33 or 34 catches. 38. Uh, 38 catches. 38 yeah, catches. Okay. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a good player. He's elusive. He's got wiggle uh, against Miami. He was open all damn day long, uh, and he had, a, he had a big day. Uh, but they just can't. They can't get the football in the end zone. So, when we talk about problems here, and, you know, I want to talk about real quickly here about 
we didn't mention this, but Brian Kelly on Monday said what the procedure will be going on the road. Uh, actually, you know what? I don't want to talk about that because we have a question about that. I'm going to save it for that. But Notre Dame going on road for the first time, um, let me just give an abridged version of that. It's a very compressed, a very yeah. compressed yeah. Uh, sure is. Uh, travel plan for Notre Dame going into this week. And I, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad or you don't have time to sit around and think about it or whatever, but uh, they're going to have to generate some offense. Uh, their defensive, Notre Dame's defensive line needs to win decisively, which I think that they will. I'm interested to see what happens at Buck linebacker because if Brian Kelly earlier in the week is saying that Foskey and Kaiser have to be on the field, I got to believe that Kaiser's going to get the bulk of the reps at Buck linebacker. And I think if that position is going to be, if you're going to remain undefeated, and I realize you need a lot more than that on November 7th, but if you're going to re- remain in the top 10, uh, you got, I mean, you got to get better buck linebacker play. That, that's the guy that is, he is set up to be either your leading tackler or your number two tackler. And they're not even close at this point at the buck linebacker position. It is definitely the 11th of 11 guys <laughs> that spot. Yeah, unfortunately it's 11, 12 and 13. And I think what we've seen, we all want number 13 of the, uh, to, to get in there, number 24, Jack Kaiser, because I want the guy that sees it and hits it. And if, there's one play where Jack Kaiser doesn't look as quick twitch as Maris Leofau over the course of the game. That's fine with me, right? If there's one play where he's not quite as strong in a weight room as Shane Simon, that's fine with me too. That's, I think that's a, I think that's go a good football. way. I think that's a good way of putting it. Although I would say in terms of foot speed, when you combine Kaiser's foot speed with knowledge of what's going on yeah. out there, I think his foot foot speed is, is Notre Dame level foot speed for your, your buck linebacker. I agree completely. Just, you know, at Rover, he didn't look, he didn't know exactly what was happening because he went running on the field and he looked a step slow because he didn't know what was happening, but he doesn't, he didn't play like that. He won't play like that at Buck if he goes and plays 40 snaps at Buck. He will, I would have a lot of confidence in her name's defense that that shores up the final hole or the, the final little chink that could be in the armor would be Jack Kaiser playing 40 last snaps th- and the other guys playing 10. Yeah, I, I agree, Tim. Um, last thing this segment, Brian Kelly talked about They've had good preparation. Now he wants better intensity. Why does that happen so frequently? That's uh, that is a sports ball coach talking. Um, that I mean, <laughs> sports ball. <laughs> I mean, it's, I I don't put really any weight on that quote at all. I feel no, like but that, you guys, no, you guys both said in any season. But you guys both said last week that there was a there was a lack of of intensity at the start of the game. Yeah, there was. I mean, it was kind of a gray day and sometimes college kids don't play the way you think that they should. And okay. Well then how is that, that coach happened. speak? It, it would, how is that coach speak? If that's exactly what happened. It happens too often. I think is what that's why, that's why, br- <laughs> that's why I'm bringing it up. That's yeah. my point of bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, it's uh, the way Louisville played. I get it. They're underdogs. They're in the game. They were excited to mouth off to Notre Dame and, and it worked for a while. Yeah. They got more excited about it. I mean, I think that, Pitt is going to bring it, and I, I, I think Notre Dame will too. I do, I do believe that that they probably did not have a great week of of uh, enjoyment at practice. I wouldn't think after you go out there and play like that, right? I mean, you can't. You, you no, I thought that happen. I thought BK's comments today made it sound like he really grinded on him this week. Like yeah. it was an unpleasant time to be a Notre Dame football player. Yeah, right, but, but Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Right, but now, but now you don't want to have tired legs going into the game. It's a no-win situation. Now you don't want to have tired legs going in the game, which has been a recent topic, at least with the wide receivers last week. I'm, uh, I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know, what, I know we're Notre Dame not playing hard enough. <laughs> Coach speak can be true. I'm not saying that yeah. it's not true. I'm just saying it is said all the time that it sort of loses its significance. I got you. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from JMAC92. Do you think there's any credence to the idea that getting out of South Bend and playing the first game away of the season will help Notre Dame re-energize and refocus with COVID on top of their normally busy schedules. Could this be a much needed change of scenery and routine? I don't 
I, I don't think that that holds a lot of weight. I mean, Pittsburgh's the best team that they will have played. I'm not saying Pittsburgh's world beaters. Like, I, don't, I think it will neither hurt, help nor hurt. I think it's sort of a non-factor. And if Notre Dame plays well, we're going to write that it was a huge factor, whether it was or wasn't. I think that just the fact that they will immediately be challenged by Pittsburgh helps a little bit, probably. It has nothing to do with traveling and getting on the road for the first time. But I think going out there and look, Pittsburgh's a three and three team and they deserve to be three and three, but their defensive line is not three and three. You could take that defensive line and put it on the 75 of the 77 teams playing. And everybody would say, yeah, we want that defensive line. We will trade out ours and we want those guys to play for our team. So that's, you're going to get hit right away. Notre Dame's offensive line should be into this immediately. This is their test. This is their test on TV and everybody should be talking about the O-line versus the D-line. Number one in rushing defense yards per game. The only team in the country that's given up less than two yards per carry. Lead the country in sacks. Yeah, they're really good up front. But now as it relates to the road game, I would say, I mean, under normal circumstances, I would say, yeah, you know, maybe, especially when you play four games in a row at home. That's the one part, I think. The four in a row at home is what part. Right. As a play, you know, everybody, hey, look, everybody likes a road trip. Vacation game day, whatever. Everybody likes a road trip. Pre-COVID Wake Forest shutdowns. They're awesome. We were right. ready for that one. <laughs> right. But the, pro- the problem here is that the routine of going on a road trip is completely different than any other time that they've been at yeah. Notre Dame because they're getting stuff done on Friday, flying in late, uh, uh, eating dinner before they get on the plane, uh, grabbing a snack and going to bed, getting up, having a to-go breakfast, eating at the stadium, which is Totally unheard of. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to answer this because it's the first road game of the year and the routine is completely different. So I think they're probably happy to get out of town and have a new venue to play. But when you haven't, you know, as a coach, again, you're going to look at this and say, damn, the routine is completely different. Are we going to lock in and be where we need to be? So not really sure. Not really sure how that, that's going to impact them. ND Famous Amos. Why the hell do people actually think the answer to all of our offensive problems is two freshman wide receivers when the real issue is getting Austin and Lindsay on the field? Tim? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That is the real issue, getting Austin and Lindsay on the field uh, occasionally together. We had, Pete, we had a few people in the Irish Illustrated message board saying, why was I advocating for McKinley and Skoranek to share a spot in Austin and Lindsay. It's because I wanted to see Lindsay make it to the next game when he gets to play in a game. And he clearly will not be playing 65 plays for the next six snaps, right? Or the next six, next six, six games. games. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Yeah. So get him in, work him out there. I mean, you still need McKinley blocking and Skoranek on third down. You don't trust Brady Lindsay on third down to make those catches yet, right, in traffic. I mean, obviously he trusts Skoranek. Got to use them all, though, man. If I see McKinley and Skoranek out there for the first three series, most of the time, I'm going to see 0-0 on the scoreboard along with it. Yeah, I mean, really, the real issue to me is, like, we're casting a player with six career receptions as the savior of the passing offense. Forget Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts. Like, and I think Austin can do it, but this is just the world Notre Dame's living in, unfortunately, due to development and recruiting and all that. Like, it's just really – they're just poor at receiver right now. Yeah, um, he needs a he needs a seven catch game. I mean, just to, yeah. to so we can just get past all this. And I, I hear what you're saying, but we all know he's talented enough. Oh yeah, we just need to. He just needs to start putting some games together. Yeah. Um. You know, and Lindsey, Tim, you're absolutely right. I mean, you can't you, you can't keep running him. I, I you know, I mean, if he's having hamstring issues. You 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 He's especially had hamstring can. issues, concussion issues. He hurt his thumb. He weighs 185 pounds. He's slightly built. He looks like a normal person when you go interview him, like Will Fuller. You know what? Will Fuller was unique. Yeah. Will Fuller was a unique guy. <laughs> there is not the next Will Fuller. It's but just, I'm, look, I'm hoping that Jordan Johnson runs a deep ball and they throw it to him. Please, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, we're not saying don't try it, as Pete said in the opener. How about five plays? Give me five plays of Jordan Johnson, right? Yeah, no, I'm, just plays, saying, yeah. I, I'm just saying I don't want to answer the question anymore. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was set I was set my own joke up there. See, <laughs> see Bogan 1989. The defense has failed to create turnovers. Why have they gotten so few and what can they do to start creating them? Which part of the defense has impressed you the most up to this point? Two different questions, and I yeah, yeah I mean the it. turnover one we talked about on Monday, right? Like it just 
their past breakups are on point. I mean, they're getting hands on the ball. They're just not finishing those plays. Like it, it feels like a defense that's close. Right. Um, and they haven't had a bunch of footballs laying all over the field for fumble recovery either. Like last year, that was guy. And Brian Kelly has joked, I think in a coaching clinic one time, like some years coaches come in and they're like, can you tell me about your fumble recovery drills? And he's like, well, <laughs> sometimes the ball is just sitting there and you fall on it. Um, and you know, they, they've, they haven't been lucky that way, but I think they've missed a bunch of opportunities for, I don't know, they could have what five picks, six picks by now. I, would, I would say that that would be a reasonable number through four games considering how, I mean, I think, you know, I thought DJ Brown had, I think it was the first two games. I thought he had an opportunity in each yeah. one. Uh, clearly Bracey had one last week with the backup quarterback throwing one up for grabs. McLeod's had two. Yeah. 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 Uh, You know, I think the other thing is, I mean, I know the other thing is they're not getting as much of a pass rush. And so that's, you're less likely to create turnovers when that's happening. I mean, think about what happened against Virginia in game four last year, four games into this, they were, you know, they were getting all kind of, uh, the ball was on the ground you know, all day. So, um, yeah, better pass rush. Make the plays when you can. Be lucky where the football is on the ground when it is on the ground. Get off the uh, field on fourth down because they're the best in the country on third down. I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one thing that's, I guess, impressed me about the defense. Um, you know, and it's, that all ties together with first and second down. I know that we spent a bunch of time this week on third down conversions, but – you know, it's a lot easier to be a great third down defense when it's third and eight or third and 13 or third and 11 and not third and one. Like, right. they had a why is Notre Dame a good third it. down offense usually? Because they can pick the ball up. They can take third and one, third and two and run it 99% of the time. NJ Irish, the 2020 team reminds me of the 2012 team. Inconsistency on offense, stout defense, timely key plays. Your thoughts? Uh, team had a great pass rush in 2012. It was a turnover-creating machine. So I guess that way <laughs> the two things we just said don't apply right there. Um, I think people wanted the quarterback unleashed back then in Everett Golson. He, he thought the best sports yet to come. Now everybody's sick of the quarterback. I don't see the comparison. <laughs> it's I not said, a, it's not, the running game's awesome. But I don't know. I don't see the comparison. I, I said in the summer this team reminds me of 2013. Um, Still kind of does. The offensive line and the run game are better, but there are a lot of other elements about this team that remind me of 2013. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make the comparison. I, well, first of all, after the Florida State game, you know what the stat was, that Notre Dame scored 40-plus points in back-to-back games for the first time since 2000. You know, whereas, and I realize the opponents were different, but in 2012, they started with 50 against Navy and then had 20 against Purdue, 20 against Michigan State, 13 against Michigan. Uh, and then know, 41, right? Then 41. If you want. Right. Yeah. Right. Miami again. <laughs> right. So yeah. um, now, I mean, I don't really, I don't really see that comparison. And I, you know, the they, offense, look, the offense was great for 11 of the first 12 quarters. And then, you know, and then moved the football against Louisville and didn't get, didn't get in the end zone from the red zone. It's, last Saturday's game should have been, 17 to nothing at halftime. Yeah, you know, I think this team, not that it matters really, but it reminds me a little bit of 2017 where they have a solid, stout defense, mm-hmm. not because of an incredible pass rush, but, a, you know, decent. They're good at third down. They get off the field. Uh, and they're a run first team, not as much run only go. as 2017. But let's hope they evolve a little more than the 2017 offense did. Or there's a 41 to 8 game in their future in mid November. That could yeah, be a problem too. So. <laughs> Buster Bivin. Might be early November. <laughs> might be early November, yeah. Buster Bivin. If Jordan Addison were to play wide receiver for Notre Dame, would Brian Kelly have started him? He uh, liked him at safety, I thought. <laughs> he did like him at corner. Yeah, he did like right? him at safety. <laughs> Look, if 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 the answer's if, probably no, Tim. Let's just well, I mean, <laughs> okay, I get that. But if 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 Jordan if Jordan Johnson was tearing it up in yeah. practice, he would he would play. It's not like I mean, could they? He used to run Chris Brown. Chris Brown played as a freshman. Uh, Will you know? Will Fuller ran deep as a freshman. I think I, they're I mean, looking for Jordan Addison to lead Notre Dame in receiving. 
being not Will Fuller's, you know, six receptions. Okay. Now, okay. Now that's a good point because I think I started to say before, you know, it's not like Pittsburgh's lacking receivers and this. So they had to go to Jordan Johnson. I mean, they've got Shockey Jacques Louis, which is my, (laughs) one of my favorite names of all time. Uh, Taysir Mack. I mean, it's not like they're lacking guys to, to, to play receiver. So I guess the answer is, is no. And okay. So points taken, but I, but I don't, I, I don't, if Jordan Johnson deserved to play, play. I, I, I fully believe that. I, I truly believe that because other freshmen play. It wasn't like Kyle Hamilton didn't play last year. Tim, you make it sound like Notre Dame's trying to win games, and we know for certain that's not the case. <laughs> Lombardi, okay, one. I have been impressed with the physicality of the defense. The last two opposing teams starting quarterbacks had to leave the game early. I predict the same fate for the Pittsburgh starting quarterback. How would you rate the physicality? Well, I think I at, at some point within these, it wasn't last week, but one of the first three games in, in my uh, tail of the tape, it was like, you know, by the end of the game, there were opposing team bodies strewn around the field. I mean, Duke was – they were carting people off in the Duke game. Um, I mean, I, certainly there was <laughs> – South Florida as well. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, think, I think the physicality by the end of 60 minutes – I think Notre Dame's defensive physicality on defense has shown up showed up pretty well. Yeah, I've been really impressed with that part of the the defense because it's yeah Cunningham and Travis the last two weeks like yeah. they're they're peeling themselves off the turf by the time the fourth quarter gets there. Uh, so Pittsburgh Pittsburgh beat the daylights out of Cunningham too. Yeah, Pittsburgh's front is a uh, will be there'll be some peeling off the turf on that one too. It's just just what you can do them on the back end. It is not – you don't want to watch the Pittsburgh tape of the defensive line to, to predict this game. You want to watch, like, the scores of the games they play, look at all the yeah. bombs they've given up, and then it's a fun way to kind of think of how this game might go down. Speaking of physicality, Pete, why don't you share with what Brian Kelly uh, – share with everybody what Brian Kelly said today about Owusu Koromoa and uh, – uh, Yeah. So I don't have the exact term at my, at my fingertips here, but – Yeah, as as I, I want to ask essentially why – Usu Korma hits like he's 250, um, but then he moves like he's 180. So it's, a, you know, the physics of that is kind of a story that I'm interested in, in writing down the road. But I mean, it, the way Kelly described it is like there's a, he's the combine guy whose combine traits pop on Saturday and Sunday. Like he's, he doesn't have a vertical jump just for the hell of having a vertical jump. He has a vertical jump because it's those explosive quad movements go through the running back's chest. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I just think there, there's something twitchy about him and it's like, we use it as like the subjective term, but I want to know like, okay, what are the, what numbers do you have to be to have to be twitchy? Because uh, he sure as hell does. But they do, they have the actual measurement numbers of these things to validate. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think there's just sort of a, a sweet spot and I'm, hopefully I get to you know, talk to somebody on the strength staff about it. Like, okay, what does that sweet spot look like? Cause you know, it's, I mean, did Chase Claypool play like, or Miles Boykin play like their combine numbers would have suggested? You know, a little, I, mean, I guess. Claypool, Claypool Clay, did. Claypool more yeah, than Boykin. Boykin. Not, not Boykin, yeah. yeah. But Owusu Koromoa's numbers yeah. just have to be yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that should be a good story. You've invested a lot of time in that. You better yeah. get that thing written. <laughs> <laughs> Wash ND. Monday, you guys said you were trembling. That wasn't our term, but. We were trembling for Pittsburgh. But Notre Dame has a better scoring defense, a better offense, and Pittsburgh probably isn't going to have Kenny Pickett. So I don't think this is set up to be the sta- uh, standard white knuckler the Pittsburgh-Notre Dame, Dame game usually is, especially after Notre Dame laid an egg last week and got trashed in the media for it. Do you feel the same on Thursday as you did on Monday? Yes. I yeah, I, I just think that uh, there's a cap on what Notre Dame – can realistically score without turnovers and it's because Pittsburgh's pressure rate is number one among power five teams when Ian Book sees pressure he's not Ian Book I think Ian Book sees pressure invites pressure is affected by pressure and even though you have stats of Ian Book throwing 17 touchdowns against the Blitz last year that doesn't mean that was pressure that was getting to him it just means they sent somebody that got picked up and I think I think Pitt will bring some pressure that keeps uh, Notre Dame scoring total down a little bit from uh from what they could have, even if they even if they hit some shots, it's just I think there'll be plenty of stuffs, right? 
especially if you're really going to stick with the running game, you're going to get yeah. stuffed and you're going to, and you're going to break through sometimes too. That's yeah. Kind of I, you football. know, if we're going to, if we're going to micro analyze every play in this game, then, yeah, book is, then book's going to get trashed because <laughs> he's going to be pressured. He's going to have to throw the ball away. He's going to get sacked. They're going to have lost yardage play. They, they lead the nation in lost yardage tackles as well. Um, but I, you know, I want to say Pittsburgh has played, you know, they played Miami, they played NC state, which is off to a good start. They played BC, which is off to a good start. I mean, they're, the level of, of competition that they've had has been a little bit different than, than Notre Dame. And yeah. I, you know, I mean, I just, it's interesting. The line's 10 and a half. Did you think it'd be less than that, Tim? I did. Um, well, but, it started. It opened at nine and a half. It went yeah, I guess, yeah. I, you know, you don't want to overanalyze Notre Dame's one game against uh, <laughs> Louisville, though, either, because if this game was played after Florida State, you probably wouldn't be quite as worried about Ian Book. And I mean, he played his best game of the season against Florida State. If we were going into the Pittsburgh game after that, you just feel a little better, I think. Yeah, and uh, I, that's really the way to judge things, not I, game by game. We all think that Pittsburgh's going to really struggle to score. I, yes. I, I mean, that that's yes. that's a given. Although, again, Jordan Addison. And the receiving core is pretty decent. And if it is Joe Yellen, you know, I just want to say, having watched him last week, he's not, he's not as mobile as Pickett. Obviously, he's way less experienced, less experience, but he did some good things. He actually finds some room for himself within the pocket, yeah. but he's not, he's not that mobile. So, um, you know, if they, gotta, if they have to go to them for 60 minutes, it's going to be a long, it's gonna be a long day for Pittsburgh, too. They're just a weird team. I mean, they have three top five wins since 2016. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you're playing around with, like, a loaded gun with Pittsburgh. Um, it just is – they're highly unpredictable, and the matchup has some, some trouble. It's, it's easy to see, like, oh, I could see where Pittsburgh could really gum up Notre Dame here. And then it's just – it's Narduzzi and Pittsburgh. I, I find them very untrustable, both when they're playing top five teams and also when they're playing, like, Delaware or Eastern Michigan. Yeah. Now, Narduzzi is not, I've had this said to me, he's not as aggressive as Don Brown, but because he's the head coach, he feels, he doesn't feel any pressure of the head coach looking over his shoulder to call, you know, something exotic and to really get after it, which I thought was an interesting slant on it. Narduzzi, you know, Randy Bates is defensive coordinator. He deserves some credit too, but it's Narduzzi's defense. And that in and of itself, I don't think that you can go into this thinking, you know, you have to consider the poss- strong possibility of a white knuckler. Jim underscore Booney CRS. Brian Kelly said the passing attack has to get better. What changes do you expect to be implemented in the Pittsburgh game in scheme and personnel? I don't know. I mean, are we, are we really expecting a big change in personnel other than like Austin McKinley flipping snaps? That's what I'm expecting. No, I don't. I don't think McKinley has way too many snaps compared to that. Now he's healthy and he didn't sit out for COVID, but I mean he has way too many snaps compared to the other receivers, and I think that starts changing this weekend. I think you have to accentuate the tight ends again. I know yeah. a lot of yeah. people are asking about Tommy Tremble and Michael Mayer. They're in, incredibly inviting targets, so I would emphasize them. And you're going to take a, a, a deep shot or two. Um, there's there's no doubt about that. I, you know, I. I mean, I think, you know, counteraction in the running game uh, certainly is very important. I think if, you know, if Tommy Reese can continue to be um, proactive in the, the screen passes that he's called, you know, do that again because they've been very effective or they've been set up to be effective. Um, you know, there's no, there's no easy answer to it. It's a multitude of things. But I think a good starting point would be to, you know, do some stuff with your tight ends and get the football in those two guys' hands. And I almost think that to, to get down nitty gritty here, that two tight ends rather than three tight ends against Pittsburgh, because if you're really buckling down to too many three tight end sets, even on third and two, you're just inviting all that ability to hit and penetrate. I like having two receivers in this game. And now that Kevin Austin is back, especially I like having that in, yeah. in this game. Javon McKinley has 226 snaps and the next wide receiver has 102. Yeah, that's got to change. That will yeah. that I I mean I think we we're all pretty confident. Austin and Lindsey, provide Lindsey's back and ready to yeah, roll. He's you know yeah. they they got to get those two guys on the field. Terry Benedict asks, "Who is this a bigger game for, Ian Book or Tommy Reese?" Book, like 
I would say if you had to split the percentage, it'd be like 95 book, five Reese. Yeah, it's book uh, for 90% of Notre Dame fans uh, care what Ian Book does, and a lot of people don't care what Tommy Reese calls in this game. I think uh, our world has micromanaging of the offensive coordinator in game number five and every call he makes and everything that could go better because they get to see it in retrospect, whereas Ian Book has been around for a while, and you better beat Pittsburgh this week. The only thing I would – I mean, I totally agree. It's it's way more book. I you know, so Reese is a bad coordinator now because they didn't get, they didn't score last week. They did get and score in a red zone. Although I wrote this earlier in the week, you know, and this is just reality, man. I mean, since Chip Long, you know, under Chip Long, they scored touchdowns on forty out of fifty-one red zone entries last year, and since the Camping World Bowl, it's it's fourteen of twenty-five and just 12 of 21 touchdowns this year. They haven't gotten in the end zone. Whether that's directly attributable to Tommy Reese, you know, I don't think the, the offensive line did a great job in the red zone last week. Uh, receivers what, don't get open in the red zone. Receivers, are, right. Way, <laughs> way, way more, uh, to answer the question, way, way more Ian Book, because while everybody's pointing to Clemson and will he be able to be good enough to beat Clemson, he needs to start – with a really, really good Pittsburgh defense, and that'll give him a chance, a better chance going into November 7th. On a related note, TJ from PA70 asks, understanding this Pittsburgh defense, describe a good day at the office for Tommy Reese. Winning is the goal. How do you envision the execution of a successful game plan against their D? Well, Tim, I, you know, maybe some of the balance, the balance story that you wrote, wrote about that Brian Kelly talked about. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you have to. I mean, I, I like how Brian Kelly defined balance this time, saying that, yeah. Being able to be being respected in our passing game enough by the defense that they can't overload on our run game, and you have to go out and take demand that respect and take it. And they tried against Louisville, and look, Louisville's two cornerbacks were better than Notre Dame's two wide receivers most of that game, and it's disheartening. And you want to now see Kevin Austin not falling down when he's running a drag route on third and five. I mean, that play is that's on Ian Book's game-winning touchdown. There's Austin trips three times in a five-yard span. Can't have those things going on. Um, it, some of it's on book to to make the throws. Some of it's on McKinley to be a competitive player like he is when he blocks. Go get the ball. I mean, it's Pete just said it best, man. The passing game is just a problem right now, and they got to fix that problem. It, yeah, I love. I mean, I love the way BK talked about the balance. Like you said, like there's balances to be able to pass when people give you the pass. They they can't pass when people give you the pass right now. Um, and Pittsburgh is going to give them Pittsburgh the pass. Absolutely, is yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what. That's exactly what they're going to do. Uh, Denver, Denver Maximus. Oh, go ahead, Tim. Denver Maximus. Pittsburgh is holding teams to a national best one point eight five yards per carry. You have faith that Ian Book in the passing game can lead the Irish to victory. Can the offensive line win the day on a day that pass protection and discipline will be needed against a Pittsburgh defense that can come at you from all angles? Pittsburgh has given up a, several big plays in the passing game. Yes. Uh, they've had they had a couple of busts against Miami that were really bad. Their safeties are very their aggressive. Their and their linebackers give up plays. It's a yeah, yeah. yes and yes. Like I, yeah, I think yeah. you know, we've seen Book have a fourth quarter comeback against Pittsburgh before. Just happened two years ago. Um, and certainly, I like Notre Dame's offensive line at a minimum to slightly win the matchup in the trenches they don't need to dominate it it could even be a draw but i think that they will probably win that slightly i was going to save this for my prediction but i'll just reiterate myself later instead everybody can hear it twice i think the offensive line has to slightly win i because i think the Dame defense will beat the pits will win over the pittsburgh offense but if the offensive line of the, the irish isn't you don't come out of there and say great matchup but they won in the end i don't think they score enough points does that make sense? I think the yeah, offensive yeah. line has to be better than Pittsburgh's great defensive line. I'm just looking up right now. The most yards that Pittsburgh has allowed in six games is 116. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I don't know what a good number is for Notre Dame, but there's got to be, there's got to be a, there's got to be a run pass balance. They've, they've got to be what they, they've got to, uh, what their identity is is a is a running team that's got to shine through at least a good portion of the day. Um, and then Pete, as you said, yeah, book was thirteen for fifteen, one hundred fifty eight yards, 
Um, 16-yard touchdown pass to Claypool, 35-yard touchdown pass to Boykin. They need – Kevin Austin needs to score a touchdown. If you don't have a compliment, a wide receiver to do it, then it needs to be Tremble or Mayer. NDNYC, you guys mentioned Michael Mayer is a red zone remedy, but not Tommy Tremble. Tremble seems to have vice-like hands similar to Claypool, so has everyone forgotten about him? Why wasn't he targeted in the red zone last week? Well, Mayer has vice-like hands too. Uh, I, I look at Tremble as as part wide receiver, part tight end, certainly in the passing game. Whereas Mayer is that's a tight end, and, and I don't. And when you, I even looked it up because I thought, well, Mayer is a lot taller, and it's like you know, Tremble's six four and Mayer's six four and a half. Yeah, whatever. but so, it's not true. He's way but taller. It's that, yeah, doesn't look <laughs> but, that way. It but look I mean, that way to me. he, play, he plays taller. And I agree, you know, I, and in fact, I made the, I made the Tremble comparison, I think it was a Duke game where, you know, it was a Claypool like grab along the sideline. It was reminiscent of that, but, um, and I'm not saying don't throw the ball to Tommy Tremble. I just think that Michael Mayer in the red zone, that was the guy when it was like, okay, who are you going to throw to in the red zone? Mayer came to mind first, just because of his, I guess you could, I, you know, I don't, again, I didn't. They didn't check weight. I guess I should have. Mayor's just a bigger, stronger dude, it appears to me. Yeah, I just I would love to see, you know, Tremble involved more in the passing game. I mean, he's been there have been a couple instances where you'll see him streaking down the field open and Book hasn't found him. And you know, that they gotta like I said at the beginning, it's that could be a deep shot too. Tommy Tremble running down the seam is a deep yes. shot. Yeah. I am with you. That is how I look for Tommy Tremble in this game is to make plays, not necessarily in short space, to make plays in open field. I I agree with you guys, but I think that if we went back and, you know, we talk about receivers that he hasn't seen that were open, I bet 85% of them are down the middle of the field. I can't, I know I I can't put a percentage on it. I don't know, but the, the vast majority are down the middle of the field. He doesn't see the middle of the field well. I don't, That's not a good trade. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't understand that. I think I would have to talk, have a deeper dive with a quarterback's coach about why that may or may not be true. I, you know, I don't know. But it seems to me that since he is directly in front of you and not, not to right or left, that he would see them better. But he, he just hasn't. And, I, Tim, you and I have talked about many times that first game when he started against Wake Forest – I, if you would have told me 27 starts later or 26 starts later that he doesn't see the middle of the field well, I would have yeah. said that's impossible. This I, would is, say oh, that, sorry, I would say that throw to Mayer against Florida State where he threw it to a yep. spot and Mayer got it, I thought we'd be having five or six of those throws. No, it was, I'm not saying he yeah. never sees the guy. No, I, I mean, just like that, that was be on the regular, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, was, that, was a perfect, that was a perfect throw. BWAC 29, if you had to guess, does Kevin Austin break out this game? If not, does that mean it's unlikely to happen this season? I don't. <laughs> not on the ladder. We have plenty of time left in the season. Yeah. There's I half don't, a season I, left. I mean, I don't, I don't get the connection between one question and the other. Will he have a breakout game? I think it's a difficult opponent to have a breakout game against. So if he doesn't, I wouldn't say that he's not going to have a breakout game this season. I Tim, what did I say about Kevin Austin way back about this season and Kevin Austin? He's yes, not yes. going to be, he's not, he's probably not going to be the leading receiver. Although if he does have a breakout game here, he can start making a dent against. <laughs> He'll be the leading receiver. Yeah. He's not that far right. off the team lead. Right, right, right. But I still, I, I know he only has six career receptions, but I, I also feel strongly that he's going to be a really good receiver at Notre Dame. Maybe it starts now, but I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, as much as you want it to happen this week, it's a, it's a tough opponent to do that against. I don't know. I mean, in some ways, isn't it a good opponent to do against? It's like it's a team that's accessible to deep shots. Well, that's true, and it's man cover. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. You're right. I'm wrong. Four receptions, four receptions, 59 yards, three first downs. That's my Kevin Austin goal. Is that fair? And a touchdown? Did you say that? Got to have, have a touchdown, touchdown in Got to have a touchdown in there. Yeah. We'll say O'Malley has a touchdown. Game winning, game winning, game winning touchdown. Okay, that's good. Oh, fine. Oh, <laughs> yes, bold. Speaking of which, Bill Irish says, "Who makes the play in the fourth quarter for Notre Dame to secure a 16-13 win?" Which is an also a great 
question. Awusu Koromoa? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you mean offense? Well, then yeah. I would say it's I'd say it's Mayer or Austin, but I more I would more likely say it would be Awusu Koromoa. I think uh, Awusu Koromoa with a devastating third down sack of Tino Sanceri that knocks Pittsburgh out of field goal range. <laughs> <laughs> They're all Tino Sanceri, huh? Everybody back there. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think this is a 16-13 game, which we're going to get to in a minute with the predictions. I, I don't. I think it's low scoring. I don't want to go all in on over under like the last two weeks <laughs> because we had, we had, we had subscribers and listeners that lost vast amounts of money, apparently because WNDU TV uh, personalities as well, no longer believe us. So there's, yes. there's a lot going on with our over under right now. local, <laughs> local television were uh, they were influenced by our predictions, but look, the over under last week opened at 64 and a half. I knew when we woke up though, <laughs> And it was down to on Saturday morning when it was down to 61 and a half. I think I texted you, O'Malley, and said, uh oh. <laughs> no, you were a little more than blunt than that. You go, I woke up this morning hating my pick. <laughs> hating my pick. I hated, I hated my pick because I feel like I've been doing this long enough for, you know, 103 years that you would have some sense that, okay, that's too big of a line for a well coached. Louisville football team and hey I get I a shout out to Brian Brown as much as I ripped him I put in my I put in my tail of tape full disclosure he did a great job coordinating the Louisville defense he brought out the best in his corners they played very very well I'm sure Notre Dame you know Notre Dame shortcomings had something to do with that but shout out to him but uh, yeah I don't I don't think this game is as low scoring let's get to our last question and we'll get to predictions and we'll be able to uh to address that but a question from tom bullock three what are the odds of irish fans being happy enough to walk out on sunshine after the pittsburgh game pretty low pretty low I mean, what, would, what would they have to do they'd have to win by 17 and never 17 to 21 and never be threatened i think it would almost have to feel like the 2015 game um you know the final score is really deceiving like they blew them out um, and Pittsburgh yes, scored two them. touchdowns in the end. Like, I think it was like 42-17 or 42-14 at some point. So Brandon well, Wimbush was... fumbled for a touchdown. Yeah, something like that would happen. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, well, if you're a Notre Dame fan that just wants to get to Clemson undefeated and have that, you should be walking on sunshine after another 12-7 win. But Tom Bullock, three, who could be um, – my classmate from high school, Mr. Wesley's freshman year English class, if that's him. Uh, I think if you're a Notre Dame fan, you beat Pittsburgh and cover the spread, you should be pretty happy about this one, honestly. Uh, walking on sunshine. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. It's 28-7, going to be the, seven, I guess. Yeah, I don't seven. know. The style yeah. of game will be such a – because <laughs> I don't want to start. I mean, Notre Dame's not going to lay – Notre Dame's probably not going to score 35 on them, and that's – Probably what? <laughs> Don't say it out loud. You're going to <laughs> we're going to get quoted on next year on Monday's podcast. What we said probably. wouldn't happen. <laughs> That's why I'm saying probably not. I think you would have you want to see an offensive performance that you would be like if they did that against Clemson, they'd have a chance. Last week's offensive performance, they had no chance against Clemson. So if you can do that, hit 28, hit 35. I think I think you'd be pretty happy with that. Okay, so what are the odds? Actually, he didn't say odds. I think he said over-under, and I didn't know how to do that. So I wrote odds 15 to 1 to be happy. I'm, we're talking about the Nordic fan base now. Because Ian Book, because again, it, if Ian Book is judged this week like he normally is, there's he's going to, again, he's going to get sacked. He's going to have to throw the football away. He might get picked. It's too disruptive of a defense for him to look as as good as what a lot of people are mm-hmm. demanding of him right now. Notre I Dame. Think, oh, man. I was just say if they played this game ten times, Pitt would probably win twice, three twice. We'll say twice. twice. Not three and times. I, and I think Notre Dame fans would be thrilled with the performance, also twice. So. That's it's on you know twenty percent chance five to one. 
Brian Kelly has played Pitt six times, and Notre Dame fans were walking on sunshine after one of them. Let's put it that way. Boom. That's like five to one. There you go. There you go. Okay, gentlemen, predictions. Um, This won't be one of the sunshine games. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think Notre Dame will play pretty well. I think that the offensive line will more than hold its own. Uh, I don't think the offense is going to necessarily explode. Um, I'm going 24-16. And if it was anybody other than Pitt, I'd go 24-10. But it's Pittsburgh. Weird stuff happens. Weird score lines happen. So Notre Dame 24, Pitt 16. Not far from you, but I wanted to have Notre Dame cover. So I was either 27-16 or 24-13. And I have a little more faith in Clark Lee than anybody else at the program not named Usu Cormo and Hamilton, which are also on Clark Lee's side. So I will stay with the uh, 24-13 Irish cover. I just feel like Book's going to see pressure. And I don't mean getting sacked and hit all the time. I think Book's going to see pressure, and that will affect some of Notre Dame's drives. Well, one of your predictions was what was my score. I won't say which one. You know I'm not going to change it based upon what you pick because I don't. I, I don't believe in that, but uh, so we're all saying, so we all, we are all saying under, right? Yeah. I'm not saying it out loud ever again, but my, in my mind, I am thinking something. Yes. Okay. Anybody listening, don't trust us. Don't but bet the under and don't bet Notre Dame covering because it could be detri- detrimental to your pocketbook. <laughs> However, <laughs> this is the way we feel. And if you have any faith in anything that we say, it might be a good route to go. My prediction will be in tomorrow's uh, preview before I leave for wonderful Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is, other than warm warm weather locations, Pittsburgh is um, my favorite place to go. I've been going there since 1982 when Ellen Pinkett Pinkett had the 76-yard run. I believe it was 76, and Notre Dame upset Dan Marino and number one Pittsburgh uh, on that day. So, uh, but I love Pittsburgh and it's beautiful. And we should still, the tree should be absolutely tremendous on Mount Washington in Pittsburgh. So looking forward to going and uh, O'Malley and I will join you again following Nordane Pittsburgh this weekend in Heinz Field. Thanks for joining us.